Refresh. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's your boy, The Muffin Man, coming back at you again with another episode of Refresh Podcast. I know it has been quite some time. I am working on getting consistent again um, with all of this, just kind of realigning a few things here and there. But I am excited to bring you back episode two of our brand new series, Well Tells, talking about our dear friend Jonah coming out of the book of Jonah. And so um, without further ado, let's open up in prayer. and We're going to get this thing rolling. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to equip your people with a word that is solid, with a word that is challenging, with a word that penetrates the depths of our hearts, Lord, that that is a little sensitive at times, Lord, but it's things that we need, that we can rely on because your word never lies to us. God, I thank you for every person that is listening to this episode right now. God, every man, every woman, Lord, every boy and every girl. God, I pray that you would just do something in the lives of those that are listening, God, that these seeds would be enrooted in their hearts, and God, that you would come and water it again at another appointed time. God, that in our in our moments of weakness, in our moments of temptation, God, in our moments where we may need this word, God, I pray that it would come surfacing again, that we would be reminded. Father, we thank you, and we give you the highest praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, let's do a quick recap. If you have not listened to Well Tells 1, you can go check that out. But basically, what happened in our first episode of this series, we talked about Jonah, and Jonah is a prophet of God, and the Lord instructs Jonah to go to Nineveh and minister to those people there to tell them that they need to let go of their pagan ways and that they need to repent or they're going to face the wrath of God, and Jonah did not want to go there. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh because he wanted them to feel the wrath of God for their pagan behavior, for their disrespectful behavior, for their blasphemous ways of living. And uh, Jonah decided he was going to go the other way, that he deemed in his own heart that the people of Nineveh were not worthy of redemption that God wanted to bring to their lives. And so we see that Jonah tends to go um, all the way as far as he can from this place uh, to a place of Tarshish, and he paid his fare to be able to get on this ship, and this is where this leaves us here. So today we're going to be talking about Jonah 1, 4 through 6, and I really did not want to rush through the rest of chapter 1 because there's a lot of good stuff here. I don't want to miss all of the stuff that's going on here, and I don't want you to miss it either. So let's read Jonah 1, 4 through 6, and then we're going to just kind of go through it and talk a little bit about it. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down, and fell sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Wow. That is some good stuff there, guys. Wow. So let's kind of just go through it. So we see that it was the Lord who stirred up the storm. 
And so often when we read about storms or we hear the mention of storms in the Bible, we tend to think about how Jesus wakes up from his nap when he was in a boat with the disciples. And the disciples are freaking out and they're like, oh, Jesus, you need to wake up. Oh, Jesus, we're going to die. This storm is coming against us. We got this perfect storm. And then Jesus is like, oh, come on, guys. Have, have you not learned anything? Oh, come on, guys. I know I've taught you about faith. Oh, you guys have little faith. And he goes and he silences the storms. But you know what? Just as much as Jesus can calm the storms, you got to also know that God can also stir up storms. <clears throat> and it's important to realize that the sailors weren't doing anything wrong by being on that ship. And in fact, they were facing calamity of this storm because of Jonah. Jonah wasn't supposed to be on that ship. God didn't say, Jonah, why didn't you go on the ship and head to Tarshish? And while on that ship, there's going to be some sailors there, man. There's going to be some crew there, and they need you to go and minister to them and show me, uh, show them my power. No, he said, go to Nineveh and bring them to a place of realizing the truth and share with them that the way they're living is wrong, but they don't have to live that way because I came to redeem them. Now, this is before Christ. This is in the book of Jonah, this is in the Old Testament. So they still have the Old Covenant, but they were having these pagan worships, you know. And uh, it was just very defiling. It was very blasphemous towards God. And so Jonah's like, no, nah, you know, I'm not going to do that. And instead, he, he had his own plan. I wanted to read you something um, that I found in the Enduring Word commentary, which, once again, huge shout-out to the Enduring Word commentary for helping me to understand Jonah in a greater depth. Um, so I'm giving credibility to them here um, that some of the things mentioned here today are just some really good nuggets that I could not pass up. So if you are ever having any trouble um, understanding what you're reading, you can go to the Enduring Word and there's a commentary for a book of the Bible or a passage of scripture that will help break it down in a greater way for you to be able to understand. But Spurgeon says, apologies for disobedience are mere refuges of lies. If you do a wrong thing in the rightest way in which it can be done, it does not make it right. And if you go contrary to the Lord's will, even though you do it in the most deceit, Decent, excuse me, even if you do it in the most decent and perhaps in the most devout manner, it is still nevertheless sinful and it will bring you under condemnation. See, it's important to know that you cannot tweak God's plan. You cannot take what God has given you and shown you to deal with your life and say, God, yeah, that's cool and all, but you know, I'm going to add my own little spin to this. I'll still do that, but I'm going to do it my way. You know, that's, that's wrong and that's disobedient. In verses 5 and 6, we see that the men of the ship are throwing all of their cargo overboard, and they begin to call on their various gods. How is it, why is it that when we are in trouble, that we tend to try to fix things in our own power? But when that doesn't work, we turn to our God. And now you can't see my fingers, but I'm air quoting little G God, not our big OG God, not the one true God, but these fake images of God that we create. And, and, and when I say we, I'm talking about <clears throat> mankind as a whole. I'm talking about the entirety existence of, of, of all of those humans here on earth that create their own gods because they come to a place to where they don't want to follow God to the fullest. I heard a quote 
the other day that said uh, people make their own gods because they want to make their own rules. And that is definitely the truth is that um, people have heard of God and what his requirement is for us to live a lifestyle that is holy, a lifestyle that is pleasing, a lifestyle that is bringing us closer to the image of God, closer to the heart of God each and every day. And so they hear what those requirements are and it, and it challenges them to such a place that they can't even handle it, that they want to make their own God to where they still have some kind of higher power to talk to. But when the going gets tough, they want to be able to still kind of do things their own way. And so when you follow after the one true God, the God of all things, it requires you to step away from things you really like. And it may be deemed as fun in your fleshly eyes. But if people don't know the God of the Bible, especially in times of trouble, they may turn to a false and imaginary God that they've created themselves. And we see that that's exactly what happened here on this ship that jo- that uh, Jonah was on. Jonah slept during the storm. The storm outside may have not have seen as big of a deal to Jonah because he was battling a storm on the inside of himself from his disobedience towards God. Now what an amazing, I want you to think of this tragic scene for a moment. That all of these sailors on this boat are, are facing this, this perfect storm. That they're facing these brutal waves and, and these really strong winds that is coming against the, their ship. And as God is stirring up this storm and stirring up this storm. That we see these religious men, again, I'm air quoting here, right? Religious men devout in their prayers to their gods. And, and they got their little gods out, whether they got the idols and the little trinkets, or, or they're out there legit, like looking either to the sea if they're worshiping a sea god, you know, or, or to the, you know, upward to the sky if, if they've made themselves an uh, air god of some sort, you know, and here they are, they're, they're praying to their fake gods, and, and, you know, their gods weren't really doing anything for them. And they couldn't do anything for them. But yet there was one man on board who had a relationship with the true king who knew his word and he worshipped him, yet he was asleep. Because you have to understand that Jonah wasn't just an ordinary man, but that Jonah was a prophet of God. So Jonah was no stranger to the voice of God. Jonah knew that God was real. Jonah knew that God's word was true. Jonah worshipped God But he was trying to find a place to where he can go unnoticed because he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. You know, being quiet and and being out of character, man, this reminds me of there's a story that I I have to tell you of there's a time in my life where I was obsessed with this woman. I was um, so convinced, um, my flesh had convinced me to a place that there was this woman that God wanted me to marry, that God wanted me to be with. In all honesty, it was really myself. I was battling loneliness. I was battling um, lust and all of those things brewed together, had me convinced that this woman was what God had for me. And, and it was so destructive. But there was this time where this girl that I was so in love with at that time frame um, called me brother. 
And that was like the worst thing ever, dude. It really did something to me to where I didn't want to go to church. And I, I was in bed depressed and I was in bed upset. And one of my friends had invited me to go to her church. And I was like, huh, yeah, probably we'll see. But what I meant by that was I'm not going. But Holy Spirit was like, no, you're going to go clean yourself up. Let's go. And so um, my plan was. I was going to go into this church, but I wasn't going to be myself. I wasn't going to go and share the love of God with those there. I wasn't going to go and share what God was doing in my life. In fact, I was just going to go there, and I was going to go in there and be completely unnoticed, and I was going to say anything, and when it ended, I was going to like slip out. That was my plan, and it didn't work very well because the Lord had brought open mic night, the same night I went and I like to talk about Jesus so they had open mic and I blew my cover very very soon but that's the thing guys is that even us as believers even us as a church goers that we should never be afraid to share the love of God or what God's doing with other believers and other Christians because in this life we all struggle in this life there might be some of us that are that battle you know uncertainty or they might you know there's some of us that we might battle you know being valued or our self-worth and so to share what God's doing in in your life may very well encourage the person next to you and um I couldn't keep quiet and we're about to see the very same thing happen to Jonah in just a wee bit had Jonah had been there operating in the obedience of God he could have stepped forward and and called the storm and introduced every man on that ship to the one true God you know if Jonah would have been there on God's account and God said hey Jonah I want you to go to Tarshish and I want you to minister to the the crew and the captain on that ship because they're in bondage to idolatry. They're in bondage to creating their own gods. But I want you to go and show them that I am the one true God. And I'm going to stir up a storm, but it's okay. I want you to demonstrate my power. I want to demonstrate my power through you so that they can see that the God that you serve is the one true God. And if that would have been the story in the case, like that would have been awesome. But the storm happened because of the disobedience of Jonah. Now, I found some really cool things here, um, once again, on the Adoring Word website that I just could not pass up. And so the following things that I'll read to you are from this website. The nature of Jonah's sleep is also instructive and too much like the sleep of the careless Christian. Excuse me. (laughs) Jonah slept in a place where he hoped that no one would see him or disturb him. And sleeping Christians like to hide out among the church. Jonah slept in a place where he could not help with the work that needed to be done. And sleeping Christians stay away from the work of the Lord. Jonah slept while there was a prayer meeting up on the deck. And sleeping Christians, they don't like prayer meetings. Jonah slept and had no idea of the problems around him. Sleeping Christians don't really know what's going on. Jonah slept when he was in great danger. Sleeping Christians are in danger but don't know it. Jonah slept while the heathens needed him. While the heathens needed him. And sleeping Christians they snooze on while the world needs their message and testimony. See, that's the thing is that sleep is not bad. But the moment that we allow sleep to interfere with the work of the Lord, that's when it gets dangerous. We see that, you know, physical sleep is necessary, but spiritual sleep is deadly. 
and spiritual and physical have to work together to do the will of the Lord. You have to physically go out. You have to physically go where God's leading you, and you have to be spiritually prepared and spiritually ready to minister to whoever you may encounter that needs it the most. My main mission field is at work, and I come across drivers. I come across men and women that need God to move in their lives. You know, um, recently just been praying with some of my guys for various things, for healing and and for God to just move in their life and, and just seeing God just come alive before their very eyes and just do things in our life is just super encouraging. But if I'm a sleeping Christian, that means that I'm not prepared for those moments. That means I'm going to let those moments pass by, that I'm going to ignore, that I'm going to talk about something I want to talk about instead. It is important to know that we are very similar today like Jonah. See, some sleeping Christians protest that they're not asleep at all. But you know what? We can talk about Jesus, but you can also talk in your sleep. We can have a walk for Jesus, but you can walk in your sleep. We can have a passion for Jesus. I just wept in worship the other day, but you can cry in your sleep. We have joy and rejoice in Jesus, but you can laugh in your sleep. We think about Jesus all the time, but you can think while you're asleep. We call it dreaming. How is it that you're sleeping? Now, I I love this next part. This is probably my favorite part of the entirety of this podcast, so check this out. The captain comes up to Jonah while he's sleeping in the boat, and he says, How is it that you're sleeping? Get up and call on your God. See, the captain knew that his crew had created all of their own gods, but none of their gods were responding. Perhaps Jonah's God could change the outcome. Isn't it funny that Jonah is running from God and he thinks he's escaping God. He's escaping the presence of God by going on the ship to Tarshish and he's hiding out on this boat. He he takes a nap to avoid any sort of encounter with God or even people. Now, I've done this before. I've, I've gone to sleep so I can wake up and be ready to go somewhere, right? Like, oh man, this starts at 12. Oh man, it starts at 1. Instead of getting up and getting ready or getting up and spending time with God or getting up and, you know, doing something around the house, you know, I would just go to sleep and wake up when it gets closer to time to do that thing, you know, and, and Jonah's here. He He's sleeping so he doesn't have to encounter anyone else or he doesn't have to encounter what God wants him. But then he gets woken up and told, hey, call on your God because we need him. Now, I'm going to stick a pin in this for now because next week we're going to wrap up chapter one and move forward in our series. But you may be asking yourself, what does any of this have to do with me? Guys, in a time where the world needs you to wake up and call on God, you serve. To call on the God, you serve. It's time to speak up. There's been times in my life where I've ignored opportunities to talk to people about God. There's been times where I've cowered down knowing that I needed to talk to somebody about God, but I didn't. And there's been times where I felt choked up or my conversation didn't flow like like it should have or like it could have. But there's also been moments where there's been fruitful conversation. There's been moments where there's been God encounters because I chose to be obedient, because I chose to step forward, because I chose to do what God was calling me to do. Friend, if you're acting in disobedience actively right now, go before God and make things right. You don't have to run away. Maybe you're right there now. 
and you find yourself in a storm right now, know that God is present in the storm, that you're not alone. Know that he can very well have stirred up the storm to stop you in your tracks. We see that God stirred up the storm to attack the ship, but not just any ship, but the one that Joseph, uh, why do I keep wanting to say Joseph? I'm so sorry. Let me try that again. Not just any ship, but the one that Jonah tried to lay low on. This storm caused the crew of this ship to see the flaws in their man-made gods. This storm caught the attention of the captain to question the power of Jonah's God. And it woke Jonah up to face a reality that he was running from. It's important to see that the storm isn't bad. The storm isn't always Satan, so stop rebuking it. But maybe the storm is because of your disobedience. Because you need to be derailed. You need to be stopped. You need to be woken up. You need to face reality that you're trying to escape. Friend, I want you to know that nothing is wasted. And that God can use anything. But it requires surrender. It requires obedience. And I pray today that whatever rebellion may be attacking your heart, that God would stir up a storm in your life that would stop you from fleeing. God is in the storm. The storm isn't out of control. You are. But it doesn't have to end like that. And next week, we will see how this ends for our friend Jonah. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, this privilege to be able to share this word with your people. God, that in our lives, when we are running from you because we don't like what you told us to do, when we're running from you and we're being disobedient, when rebellion has come and it has attacked our heart, and God, we find ourselves pulling away from your presence. God, I pray that you would stir up storms in our life that would stop us in our tracks, God, that we would be forced to face you, that we would be forced to encounter you, Lord, when we don't really want to. God, I pray that in these moments in the storm that our lives would be changed, that we would be developed, that we would be restored, that we would be made new. God, that you would help us to work through this, Lord, that although it is not easy, it is most certainly worth it. God, I pray that just like this example that you've given to us in Jonah, God, that Whenever we try to escape you, God, there's no such thing as escaping you for your presence is everywhere that we are and it is in places that we have not yet gone. God, that there is never a place that we can go that we can escape you. God, I pray that this word would just take root in the hearts of your people. God, that we can be reminded that storms aren't always bad, but they are used to develop us in a greater way and to push us closer to you in a greater way and to take our hands off of the steering wheel, to take our hands off of the situation and to develop a dependency on you, Lord, that strengthens our faith, that develops our faith, that grows endurance within our lives. God, I thank you for this scripture. God, I thank you for your word because it's so true and we can rely on it. God, I pray that you would take these words that I have spoken. God, you would take them and do something with them that they would be so much greater than anything that I can say because God, it's not about me in the end of the day, but it's about you.
And it's about the power of Holy Spirit that is within us because we have selected Christ Jesus to be our Savior. Friend, if you have not accepted Christ Jesus to be your Savior, then let's do that now. The book of Romans tells us that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God resurrected him from the dead, that salvation comes upon us. So if you want to be saved, if you want to go to heaven because Jesus Christ is the only way that you can get to heaven, then I pray that you would just pray this right now. In your own words, don't say it exactly like me because it's not about what I'm saying, but it's about the motive. And I pray that you would just say it in your own words like this. Lord, I believe that you came to save my life. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that you were resurrected after you died on the cross, that you ascended to heaven, but you entrusted to us the power of Holy Spirit to help us endure life here until you came back for us. Jesus, I believe that you went on to prepare a place for me in heaven. I believe that you redeemed my sins on the cross. And I ask you to become a part of my life that I can have a hope that is everlasting every day. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Refresh Podcast where Christ goes before us so we can bring you another refreshing word. If you have just become a part of the family, welcome. What should you do next? Get you a Bible that's reliable. Something that you can understand and read. King James is not the only version. If you can understand King James, more power to you. Find something you can understand. Get the Bible app on your phone. There's different versions. There's devotions. Spend time in prayer. Just talk to God like a real person. You know, don't be fancy or long and extravagant with it. You know, start changing your life step by step. You know, ask God to help you know what to do next. So guys, this has been your boy, The Muffin Man. This has been Well Tells Episode 2. And I can't wait to bring you back Episode 3. I'd like to say it's next week, but, you know, I never know. (laughs) So guys, I love you. Have a good rest of your day. Uh, Take it easy.